What is going on, Seed Phrasers? Welcome back to another episode. Don't mind me, I just woke up, but this podcast was another great one. We spoke with Zeneca, the founder of Zen Academy, also one of the earliest and biggest content creators in the NFT space. I was still just a bum degenerate poker player playing some online poker, and then it just wouldn't in my wildest dreams have imagined uh, to be owning a business, you know, running a project, a company with a team creating content, any of this is just advising. It's all brand new. So. Seneca was actually one of the first people I started following and learning from when I first came into NFTs and Web3. And it was such an honor to have him on the podcast and talk about his experience. FOMO is a signal and can be a good thing. I mean, all right, a lot of people are talking about this, but that's when you go, all right, now I want to do some research and see, is this something legit? Maybe it is, but like, it's not a good time to like, buy in because everyone's talking about it now. Wait a month or two. Uh, his trading journey, obviously. I sold three Fidenzas for less than one ETH each. And so like, no. like 19 ETH now. What he's currently building at Zen Academy. Within the next week, if all goes to plan, we have student IDs that are launching and these are going to be our attempt to sort of uh, create that easy way to scale and onboard people. They're going to be free NFTs. They're going to be soul bound. So people can't trade them. You can't sell them. You can't transfer them. There's no speculative nature. And they're going to be unlimited in supply. So there's no FOMO. You don't have to rush to get one. It's like anyone that wants to get an NFT and be part of Zen Academy is going to be able to. So this was a great conversation from somebody who has a lot of experience, owns some of the top tier NFT collections in the space, and uh, just overall very exciting and humble person to hear from. So before we dive into the episode, please do me a huge favor. Just click on that subscribe button. It'll help me way more than you think. and It'll make me really happy and take you two seconds. And then the second thing is, if you're new and want to stay updated or get educated on things regarding Web3, crypto, and everything that happens in between, make sure you check out our free daily newsletter. We send that out every single day. It takes you less than five minutes to read, and it's always value-packed with information, news, and upcoming narratives for you to keep an eye on. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive right into this episode. Calm down before you stress up the groove. The energy a little different when the blessings accrue. Hey, who you talking to? Just know I ain't no regular fool. Could be anything in the world, but I can never be you because I had time like a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, what is going on? We have another great episode here with the OG, the original, somebody I pretty much grew up in the NFT space watching. Zeneca, what's going on, brother? How are you? I'm well. Uh, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. How are you doing? Um, doing pretty well. So can we officially say this is your first podcast out of Dubai? Yes, we can. Let's <laughs> go. Yeah, I'm recording yeah. overpriced JPEGs with Kali in like two hours, but this this just sneaks in. First one. Let's go. This is the, the first podcast that I can record in Dubai. So I'm really excited to go over this. Um, for those of you who don't know, or, or for those of, you know, for the people who don't know who you are and kind of how you got into the space, can you touch up a little bit about just your journey and what got you to where you are today in Web3? Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got a bit of a cold. Um, so I was a professional poker player for about, I think like 16 years. That's like all I did prior to crypto and NFTs. And so I dabbled in crypto in 2017, like a lot of people, and then that whole bear market 2018 came and I was like, ah, it was a fun experiment, leave the space. And, uh, you know, it was good while it lasted. And, uh, but then like 2021 rolls around or late 2020, early 2021 again, all crypto started going up and I had some friends that were still in the space. And a lot of poker players make the transition over from crypto, uh, poker to crypto. And so I had some poker friends and they started telling me about, you know, NFTs, but also DeFi and like all this stuff that had been built. And like, there's, you could do stuff now with crypto with Ethereum and 
uh, that sort of like piqued my interest again. And it was like February, March of 2021 that, you know, I really started to dive deep into the space and uh, kind of just haven't stopped. So it was like crazy journey of, you know, many months of figuring out like what is MetaMask and gas and like, how do you do anything in this space? And then losing money, buying some random JPEGs like most of us do to, when we first start out and then market turned and was fortunately able to make some money. And, uh, but somewhere along the way, I started creating content. Like I started a newsletter, started a podcast, started writing Twitter threads and like that all blew up like way beyond anything I could have ever imagined or dreamed. And I felt that like, I really loved it. That this like something I really enjoyed doing as opposed to like flipping NFTs, playing poker. That was always like a means to an end and it wasn't really this passionate thing. But then creating content and uh, writing and, and all that kind of stuff is something that I really loved. So that led to launching Zen Academy, which is uh, my NFT project in community, which was in November 2021. And it's really a, a project focused on content creation, uh, education, you know, bringing people together to learn and uh, thrive really in, in NFTs, crypto, tech in general. It doesn't have to be like we're obsessed with AI now because that's all their age. And uh, yeah, that's been like the last 12 to 15 months is all been Zen Academy. I love that. I want to take it a step back, right? Before Zeneca was born in Web3, did you ever imagine yourself doing what you're doing today no. three, four years ago before crypto? No, I didn't imagine it two years ago today. Like literally, we're recording this on the first or second of Feb. Uh, no, I was still just a bomb degenerate poker player playing some <laughs> online poker. And then it just wouldn't in my wildest dreams have imagined uh, to be owning a business, you know, running a project, a company with a team, creating content, any of this is just advising. It's all brand new. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, going into 2023, right? Because again, like two years ago, you're like, I was a poker player. I started this thing. Now it seems like you guys have more of a foundation. You have more of a North Star. You have more of a brand that you really want to maintain and continue building. So what are some plans that you guys have? going into 2023 and then what are some challenges you see in the market that could set you guys back because we all live in this market where it's like up and down and crypto oh yeah if it dumps we're all gonna die all of our content's gonna die and it gets pretty tough so i'm yeah. curious to see obviously some of the uh, thoughts that you have about it <clears throat> excuse me again yeah i mean it it already did dump like 2022 was a crazy terrible bear market and you know, engagement was way down, far fewer people in Discord, signing up to my newsletter, following on Twitter, uh, watching YouTube videos. We tried to do TikTok and found that literally no one was searching NFTs on TikTok, so that got nowhere. Um, so we've lived through that and that's like, it hasn't really stopped us. So I'm not too concerned yeah. about that. Uh, even if ETH price or, you know, crypto prices go up or down, that we're still going to be here. I would say, I mean, to answer the first part of your question, what we're like, excited about building is or what we're thinking about is like scaling you know how do we get thousands tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of people more into crypto and nfts in general but also zen academy and, and grow our community and actually within the next week if all goes to plan we have student ids that are launching and these are going to be our attempt to sort of uh, create that easy way to scale and onboard people they're going to be free nfts they're going to be soul bound. So people can't trade them. You can't sell them. You can't transfer them. There's no speculative nature and they're going to be unlimited in supply. So there's no FOMO. You don't have to rush to get one. It's like anyone that wants to get an NFT and be part of Zen Academy is going to be able to. And I'm really excited about that. Uh, after that, we have like our PFP project coming out in a few months and we're just going to work on just content, community building and growing. And 
in terms of what can like stop us or problems this year, I think it's probably just like internal things rather than external. Uh, you know, we've had issues where like we, we set deadlines and then realize, well, this space is chaotic and crazy and, you know, you probably shouldn't set deadlines. And then I'm realizing that like, instead of saying, all right, we're going to launch, you know, by this date or even this quarter, it's like, all right, we're going to work on this. And it's not even that like things go wrong that a deadline necessarily gets pushed. It's that because new ideas are coming up all the time, you get to like two weeks before launch and then you hear of this brand new idea and you're like, oh, we want to do that. And smart contracts, they're immutable. So you can't add it later. So you're like, all right, let's try it. And then that gets delayed. So only internal things, I think, but yeah. Yeah, I think for me, like one of the biggest issues that I see in this space, and I don't know if issue is the right word, but it's like, it's very easy to get shiny object syndrome, right? Because mm -hmm. the space is moving so fast. And there's always something new where you as a founder, as a creator, even as a trader, you're like, oh, let me just go do that one instead. Let me yeah. go do that one instead. So my question here is like, what do you think are some of the biggest problems that we should avoid, whether it's as a trader or as a founder in this space specifically? as we see this grow. Yeah, I mean, FOMO is hell of a thing and we all suffer from it. Whether as a trader, you see everyone talking about whatever project, open editions, uh, the checks project now, Canto, yeah. everyone's talking about it. It's like, all right, you feel that urge to rush in and you, you gotta like fight against that. And the FOMO is a signal and it can be a good thing. It can mean, all right, a lot of people are talking about this, but that's when you go, all right, now I wanna do some research and see, is this something legit? Maybe it is, but like, it's not a good time to like buy in because everyone's talking about it now, wait a month or two and stuff like that. So from a trader, I just always recommend patience, but as a founder as well, it's um, actually wrote about this in my last newsletter, this idea that it's very tempting and easy to get into this cycle where you sort of listen to your community, listen to your holders and do what they want you to do. And it sounds like a good thing to do. Like, all right, yeah. you have a community, they're asking for this. You should probably do that, but it is, difficult to please an entire community often it's like a vocal minority who want a certain thing uh and many people might be thinking on a different time frame to you they might be thinking of like things that they want that might pump the floor price in a short term but might be detrimental in the long term and so really just being clear in your vision and what you want to do and you know listening to your community but not necessarily um, doing what they want you to do sort of always reminded of that um, Henry Ford quote where he's like, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. And it's like, you need to have your own direction and vision, always listening to your community and taking feedback. So you, you're not sort of veering too far off course. But if you have that, then it's a lot easier. And it's, it's like, I definitely spent like the first three, four months after we launched, like trying all these random things because I thought that's what people wanted. And, you know, most of them didn't really work out so well. And then, you know, I realized, all right, this is what we're going to do. This is, the direction we're heading off and you know people can join us or or not and thankfully people a lot of people decided to keep with the ship yeah there's uh there's this study pretty much or it's a case they call the 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 dead product feedback loop right which is like you launch the product you get feedback you apply the feedback you launch again and then you <laughs> do it again all over yeah again, right and i think that's the like the exact perfect explanation on what continues to happen for nft projects at least and yep. brand new companies that are coming in and we've seen that with like special specifically like web 2 companies coming into the space mm. they have no idea how to build web 3 so they come in they're like okay let's do this but then they get bombarded with all these customer requests essentially these community requests mm. they're like okay let's change what they want and then the project dies out right yeah so it's pretty interesting to uh to see now, I wanted to ask you this, like knowing that, right, what do you think are some really good skill sets 
that communities and people can start building up that can really help pivot and obviously form like what the future of this space is going to look like. Like if you're just getting started now, what do you think some of the main roles in some of these Web3 companies are in order to start practicing and, and, and trying to get into? Yeah, it's, it's tough to answer because it's changing so much. And uh, Sam Altman, who is the CEO of OpenAI, which created ChatGPT that everyone's yep. talking about, he made a tweet a couple of months ago that he said uh, the most important thing quality or trait that is, uh, is going to determine people's like success in the future is adaptability and resilience. And I thought that was brilliant. I think that applies not just to AI, but to NFTs and crypto as well, because no one knows what's going to happen. Like new contract types are coming out all the time, new blockchains, new ideas, everything. And the people who can adapt the quickest and set themselves up to be most resilient to change. And so like if something happens and that was negative to you, you need to be able to bounce back really quickly and learn new ideas. And so I don't really know how to teach for that or someone can learn that or study that, but it's like keeping that in mind and always like trying to constant like self-improvement and like keeping, being aware of what's happening and trying to adapt to changing circumstances. Cause you know, you can, I could say, you know, learn how to code solidity, be a dev or learn how to be a community manager in discord um, and be a collab manager, you know, social media marketing, project manager, know how to launch a PFP project, community building, all of those things are good and great, but uh, how to do those things well is about adapting and being resilient and you know, seeing what's happening in the space, taking the best ideas and you know, adapting them to your own project and goals. Yeah. It, when I hear the word adapting, a lot of people may misunderstand it and think like copy, right? Or get on the mm. next new thing. So when you say adapt, like, can you maybe give me an example of like, what is adapting in Web3 space? And like an example that you've done, for example, uh, as an academy. Yeah. I mean, honestly, copying is not the end of, like, it's not that bad. Like, you know, yeah. good artists get inspiration, great artists copy or whatever. Great, good artists copy, great artists steal. I can't remember the quote, but it's something about that where, you know, there are so many great innovations in this space that someone comes out with something, you probably should copy them. And like a great example is uh, ERC-721A, this contract standard that Azuki yeah. sort of pioneered and, and branded uh, in December, 2021. Prior to that, Every project, almost every project was losing a ton of money to the gas. They found a way to strip that contract down and then everyone just copied it and used it. And like that, I think is a great thing to like be aware of. And like, there were a few projects that didn't use that going forward and it was like a disaster nightmare. And so just being aware of that. Um, I mean, I think like something that we have, that I saw happening a few months ago that we've sort of you know, adapted and, and incorporated is soulbound tokens. You know, this is a, a yeah. concept of a token that is, uh, you know, untradeable, can't be transferred or sold or, or bought. And, you know, no one was using them six months ago, really. There was a couple of edge cases and then slowly more and more people started using them. And, you know, for us, it, we started, we saw that and we're like, well, can we use them in some way? And that came up this whole idea of scaling the community, onboarding people with a soulbound student ID. And so like, that's probably a more recent example where, we identified, all right, this new thing is popping up. Can we use it? Yes, we can. Uh, contrasting that, you know, <clears throat> there have been times in the past, I think late 2021, maybe August-ish when the bull market was going crazy, every project was launching a token. Every project was launching a DAO. And that's a, a point where you're like, well, all right, you don't want to copy that. You, ju you just see what's happening and then decide if it's good for you or not. Some things are going to be, some things are not going to be. But always keep an eye on the meta, I guess, is, is the word. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's very well uh, put together there. Um, in terms of like 
tools, for example, that you may have used that when you first started and how has that changed? Is there anything you can touch up on there in terms of like core tools? As soon as somebody comes into this space, this is what you should be looking for. Yeah. I mean, it depends on uh, people's goals and what they want to do. I, 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 when I got in, there weren't any tools and like I, there wasn't, there was nothing. Uh, so I never really used too many, even as a trader, like uh, NFT nerds for charting or Nansen or wallet trackers or bots. I didn't use any of that, but I think if you want to be like a successful trader or flipper now, you need to be using like the most cutting edge tools. NFT nerds is probably the best for like charting and all that kind of stuff and sniping. Uh, so I, I can't really speak to that too much on that front. I would say like tracking results, like a portfolio tracker or even just like Google spreadsheets or Google sheets, yeah. right? an Excel spreadsheet is like really good at doing whatever. Like that's how I got my start. Really. I had a Google sheet of floor prices because I was trading and I wanted to keep track of like the floor prices of projects I was in. OpenSea didn't have floor prices on their website. So I just had a Google sheet and then it helped me. I started tweeting it and people started to appreciate it and kind of blew up. And so I think just, you know, make your own tools and, and do what you need to do that will help you. But yeah, like at the end of the day, like a fancy tool or five or 10 is not going to make the person successful or not. It's sort of understanding how to apply them and why you might need them. And then maybe realizing you might not need them. And so it's like, yeah. Yeah. And I want to talk about your trading journey, but before that, something just popped up in my head. If there's one thing you think like you have this crazy idea, but you don't, you wouldn't want to execute on it in order for somebody to build like one, this one big idea, what would it be? I'll tell you mine first and hopefully that will give you some time to spark one. <laughs> sure. So the other day or the other week, right? We've seen Kevin Rose get hacked and we've mm. seen uh, NFT God get hacked, right? So instantly I'm like, why the hell isn't there an NFT insurance company? And this may not sound like a big idea, but I think it's a very big problem to solve that anybody who can come in and mm. say, hey, they, we have to figure out a way to create an insurance policy, just like there is insurance for real estate, for cars, for rent, mm -hmm. for jewelry. There has to be a way to do the same thing on chain. And I even think it may be a lot easier to do once you figure out the policies because everything is trackable, right? I think one mm. of the biggest problems in real life is the ability to not be able to verify, right? Insurance mm. claims and scams because you have no legitimate way. It's like she said, he said, mm. and then camera proof. Versus on yeah. blockchain, I think that solves that. So I think whoever can actually go ahead and solve the problem of like building an NFT insurance or just a digital asset insurance company can make a lot of money and help a lot of people at the same time. Yeah. So that's one big idea I have for the crypto space that I think will really help us move forward. What's yours? I totally agree. I think that would be awesome. And I'm, I'm sure we will get it eventually. <clears throat> uh, I've had two that have been my stock answers. And I think uh, people have been building them, but I haven't seen like a really excellent version. Uh, one is just like an NFT Wikipedia, just like a one play. Like it's so difficult to know. Yeah. Like if you want to go find out oh, what, when did Bored Apes mint or, you know, mm -hmm. what was the, the mint price of this project? It's kind of difficult to find. It's like one central location that everyone agrees is like the, the source of truth community, you know, empowered and developed and new contributors to keep it up to date. That would be great. And as far as I know, no one's created it like a, a one that's taken off. At least. There's a bunch of people trying various versions. The other idea is, and this has been built to varying degrees is uh, a way to like plug in your wallet address or all of your wallet addresses. And then it tells you, uh, you know, you can mint this from this community. You get the news or there's a free claim coming up. You have two weeks to do this. Yeah, there's a token drop. And, you know, so many of us, especially if you've been around for a while, you have a lot of NFTs, you like miss things and it's always yep. 
you know, a bummer when you do. Uh, I know Floor, the app, has something like that either coming out soon or in development and, and probably like a dozen others have been working on it. Uh, Lifeboat, I think, is another app that does it. And I'm just excited for it to be like really good and mainstream and working and fast. And so I think that is going to solve a big problem as well. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, that's huge. And even to add to that, it's like, imagine just being able to connect your wallets to this one platform that just gives you news based off your previous action mm. in your wallet, right? Yeah. So kind of like tracking your metadata in a sense. I think that would be really dope. Um, what do you think Web3 has an effect on in terms of social media and content creation, right? Because we, we continue hearing the term and we've seen obviously Jack Dorsey the other day, I think even yesterday, tweet out his new app, uh, which is a decentralized social platform, right? But mm. there's nothing revolutionary about it yet, at least in my opinion. So what do you think the future of Web3 and content creation and just social media has in store? I think, I mean, I think Web3 is like excellent for content creators because it, it allows you to own and monetize your content in a way that is very difficult to do without web three. So like currently you go through intermediaries, you, you're a YouTube creator and you're at the mercy of the algorithm and you know, at the Google AdSense and, and their systems and everything on Twitter, there really is no monetization. You know, you have newsletters and you pay Substack a percentage and it's not inherently bad, but I think it has, it just introduces new models. So I don't think the web two models are bad. And I think that what we're going to see going forward will be hybrid approaches. And I mean, to use the Zen Academy as, as an example, we have like a membership token and that gets people access to the discord, uh, you know, and certain other perks like uh, video structured courses and stuff like that. You know, people can still go and buy those courses. So, you know, if you don't want to buy an NFT, if you don't want to spend under 0.6 ETH, I think our floor price is right now. And you just want what this one specific module, you can pay $49 and get, you know, a, a whole week's worth of mm. video content. But if you are into NFTs, if you do want this token, you can have lifetime access, you can resell it in the future. It just adds new dynamics and empowers creators in a way that I think is, is really, really great. So I'm just very excited for, like we're gonna see so much more, like subscription models haven't really taken off in NFTs yet, but yeah. they will, like they definitely will. Yeah, I think one thing me personally, I've been trying to wrap my head around, like especially at scale, is the idea of like, having a high entry point to an NFT ecosystem, right? Which is like what we're mm. seeing now. And it's becoming this thing where it's more like cult driven. It's like, hey, you're either in the community if you own the NFT or you're not in the community because you don't own the NFT, right? So like the question that continues to come to mind is like, you know, because we'll post content on TikTok or on YouTube, people are like NFTs are dead. It's this scam, it'll never work. Why would I pay yeah. this, right? So it's like, how do you crack through that skull of the average person and say, no, you don't have to pay $10,000 or $2,000 mm. or even $1,000 to get into the NFT space. Here's your other way, right? Mm. To really be involved in community. Um, yeah. So for you guys to hear, obviously that you're doing the, you know, buy the module separately, for example, is pretty interesting and cool to see. Mm. And I think the, the soul bound token obviously uh, helps with that. But at the same time, I think it'll still create that big difference in terms of like, oh, he owns the NFT, he has money. And he doesn't own NFT and he doesn't have money. So what are your thoughts on like cracking through the skull, I guess, the average person in that sense? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, there's a few approaches. I think like we'll never get rid of the whole, oh, someone owns an NFT that costs $5,000, $10,000 and they're in this special group and community. But I think that is kind of by design. And it's, I've always used the, the phrase like digital country club 
for a lot of yeah. these community-based projects. People have been paying for Soho House or a golf club or whatever for you know however long. And people are happy to pay like a massive upfront fee or yearly fees or both and be part of a community. And it's not, you know, these are there are some golf clubs that you know pay, you have to pay like three hundred thousand dollars to be yeah, a member of. Yeah. And it's not because it costs that much to pay play around a golf or because, you know, getting access to a nice um, I don't know, spa facility or lunch place. It's that is not where it is. It's about the people that are in there and the connections and the network that you make. And so NFTs just apply that to the digital realm. And so I think those will exist. But obviously, most people are just can't be involved with that, don't have money, don't have $10,000, $300,000, even $1,000 to spend on something like that. And that's where these free options make infinite sense. And so like what Reddit has done and is doing, where they just give everyone a free NFT, they've onboarded millions of people. Starbucks mm-hmm. has a free model. We're coming out with a free model. I think that is the future. And then maybe they're like, um, we're also going to see like $5 NFTs, $10 NFTs that yeah. are going to be. And also I think like, Disney, if they like, if Disney wants to do NFTs right, I think they should give them out like free. Anyone yeah. that comes to Disneyland, Disney World, gets a free NFT. Anyone that goes to see this movie, scan this code, get a free NFT, and like collect them that way. They're going to be a lot more accessible. They need to be, yeah. And and like credit card, you'll be able to buy it with. You'll be able to sign up and get your wallet with an email address. You can already yeah. do these things. Those things will just mm-hmm. become more and more mainstream. And if you do care about the true decentralization and the true self custody nature, you can always self-custody and have full ownership but most people aren't gonna want to care about that i think yeah i agree i agree i couldn't agree more you touched on connections and network right and that's a big reason why people spend money to come or to get access into communities and and nft projects so on and so forth how was your connection and network when you first got started in the nft space and how had that helped you make the flips and the trades that you've done uh in the space to get you to where you are today yeah, I mean, my network was very small, uh, but I had this one group chat and it was uh, me and a bunch of poker friends and they were in the space a bit more than me. They all had like CryptoPunks and wow. I was feeling a lot of fun. I literally, I, I thought I was very late in February, March, 2021. I was like, oh my God, I missed the boat. Why was I ignoring all those years? And uh, even like hash masks, which had just come out and they were like, one ETH, 0.5 ETH, that was way above my like bankroll at the time. And, but just being in a group of people that were just chatting about things here and there, that small group was like everything to me. I learned so much from them, not just about NFTs, but like DeFi and, you know, all this other random stuff. And then as time went on, I like, you, you hang out in Discord servers and you see the same people in other Discords and you start just getting to build out your network and you spend time on Twitter and, you know, it is everything like your net worth, is your network is like so true. And so for me, I was very fortunate to have like a small group of friends that were like willing to answer questions and help me. I was just like a fly on the wall for a lot of it. Cause like, I felt like I don't want to bother them with dumb questions all the time. So I was just learning by myself and then listening to what they were saying. Um, but it started out small and then grew. And I think that, you know, if you have the possibility to have that, if you're like new to the space, but you have a friend that has like been in the space for a while, like lean on them and really just tap into that resource. Cause most times, most people will be more than willing to help you out. Like all of us in the space, like we want others in the space and we, we can talk about crypto all day long. We won't shut up about it to yeah. an annoying extent sometimes. <laughs> so definitely tap into that. And if you don't have that friend and you're brand new learning this on your own, like just jump in and try and like make your own friends and make your own group chat, make your own circle. Cause like there are so many people here that just want to learn and want to find other people to learn with. And it just takes one person to like 
just literally just reach out in random discord be like hey you know i've seen you chat a couple of times you know just i'm putting together this chat of five people to learn together we're all starting out just do something like that it'll be like the best i always say the best alpha group is not anything you pay. it's like a, a whatsapp group chat with like six people in it. that's the best i agree yeah we actually just made one like a few weeks ago iMessage group chat and it's just been the best thing ever because it's like yeah. no telegram no discord fuck all that just make a group with your friends and just talk in there and just make it so feel, feel yeah. super normal so i couldn't agree more with you on that walk me through okay so you come into the space 2021 around february right walk me through what was the first project that really i guess helped you up your bankroll right and then just talk to me about like that experience because i think 2021 especially those who came like before that q1 season is like peak euphoria peak bull run and that's like really what kicked off the whole nft run in my personal opinion yeah so interestingly uh there was like a mini bear market in like i think it was like march april or something march april of 2021 it was like december through to feb was like bullish and then it was like a bit yep. of a bear and then a mega bull kicked off uh so i don't even remember exactly what it was like when I got in, but like the first bunch of projects didn't really go anywhere. Actually, the second project I minted was Artblocks, which later on did oh, wow. crazy things. But uh, at the time, I minted it and it went down in price. The project didn't mint out, and so I wasn't feeling too great about holding a handful of those. The project that had the biggest impact, which is very ironic looking back, uh, the project that had the biggest impact was Zed Run. And so, you know, a lot of people oh, came wow. in through Zed Run or um, NBA Top Shot, but I was able to like get in on a couple of those mints and there were the, the the type where if you could mint then the price was like 5x instantly on the secondary because it was like a, a heated battle to mint and it wasn't even necessarily a gas war it was like the website was really buggy and it was just like if you could refresh the page click in the right way you could mint and if you get lucky then uh so i was able to flip a, make make a few fl uh, flips there but also one horse that i minted was like a really good racer and so literally mm -hmm. for like six weeks I think April and part of May of 2021, I would just wake up, enter my race, uh, horse in races all day, go to sleep, and then pass my uh, tablet off to my partner because she would be awake while I was sleeping and she would enter the horse in the races. So like for an entire month, we were making like, I don't know, three ETH in a month for like a month and a half, two months. And that was like crazy money to me. I remember someone offered me like four ETH or five ETH for the horse at one point before it had had a lot of the success. And it was like, the biggest decision of my life or my, um, yeah, for, for a very long time, I was agonizing over it. And so that got me my start. And then like, I would take a bit of that money and I put it into like punks comics and they took off and then up block started to turn around and then you know, bought some cool cats and, uh, eventually bought a, I think bought eight, but 0 0.5, 0 0.7 ETH, which late May was again, all of it was possible. I think in part because of Zed run, give me a bit of a bankroll and confidence. And like, I just, I took a lot of like my fiat money. Like I sold my stocks and I was like, just going crazy all in on NFTs. And fortunately it turned out as very high risk, but I don't know, poker player for 17 years, I'm <laughs> often taking crazy risks. You got the stomach for the risk. Yeah, because I, I, I vividly remember those time. I came in a little bit after specifically to NFTs. I got really attracted with the idea of leverage trading crypto. So I mm. went that route before I went all in on NFTs. But back then, right, if you take a look at it, it was a lot easier to make money, specifically in NFTs. Oh, yeah. It was like the whole whitelist opportunity. If you got that or you come in early, your chances of going 5-10x are mm. very likely and very uh, favorable. So coming into now and what the NFT space as a whole has developed to, whether you're training or not right now, what are like some of the main things you're starting to look at that you've noticed that really points out a quality project? 
it's so hard because there's infinite instances of where I think that's the case and then it's not. Uh, I would say the team is like probably the single most important factor to the success of a project. And it could be a singular artist as the, the person behind the project. They're, it's an art project. They're an artist. They're creating art. Um, it could be you know a small pod of people. It could be a 20-person team. It could be a, you know, a massive IP brand coming in. And it's about mostly how much they get NFTs and Web3 and yeah. the culture. And so we've seen so many instances of excellent teams. You have like, you know, ex-CEO of Zynga Gaming or like, you know, I was someone at the head at Activision or Blizzard or um, Disney or Netflix or like all these Nike top tier companies. And like the, you look at the team page and the website, and they're all stacking like, oh, I look at all this business experience there. They know what they're doing. And they do know what they're doing in business, but they don't know what they're doing with NFTs and cryptos. So they, and even if they have a couple of people on the team that do know, it's like, it's still really difficult. So I look, I think if we look back at almost all of the most successful projects, they're done by like Web3 crypto natives, like Bored Apes was just a bunch of degens. Um, Cool Cats didn't have, I mean, Clon the Artist had a bunch of years of experience, but you know, that was a very grassroots project. And most of the biggest projects began that way. So I think uh, identifying those, the teams that like get it and who have found something I've been like looking at over the last 12 months is if we look at the most successful projects, they've had, had like a singular founder who's like in the trenches, very much like all like everywhere, all the time, pushing projects forward. It's um, Alex Lynn from Valhalla, Frank from D gods, um, Ray nine gets here from meme land, Kevin Rose, Moonbirds, even, uh, you know, this one person who's just like on podcasts, on Twitter spaces, in discords, chatting with people and like push, like rallying the troops. And I think that it's like, we live in an attention economy. So whichever projects can get the most attention. And the way to do that is by like embedding yourself in the culture and understanding it and not ostracizing yourself. And so those are the biggest um, signals for me. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you on that. Specifically, the idea of having one person that's always there, always on your mind, and always being controversial, I think, is a big thing, right? Yeah. It's like they just do things differently. Um, what do you define, like, I guess, the biggest difference between building a community and building an audience? For example, I think, like, two weeks ago, I seen Grant Cardone hop on a Twitter spaces with, like, Alex Schillen or Schillen Villain uh, and a few other guys. And they were kind of, like, telling them, like, hey, like this is a multi-billionaire, I think, right? Like this guy owns billions of dollars worth yeah. in real estate assets. They're like, no, that's not how you build a community. Like, no, that's <laughs> people are not going to buy your NFT, right? Right. So it's like you're really like pushing somebody who already has built a real community elsewhere, mm-hmm. but it's just the the definition of that community is completely different. So what is the definition for you in terms of like how to build a web three community? And is it okay for people to kind of like I guess push or I don't know what the word I want to use here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I think when it comes to like building an audience, you, you have people that follow you. When you build a community, you have people that follow each other. And I think it's like, that's mm-hmm. it at its simple, simplest level. So it's a lot of people can build audiences by posting content, by being controversial, by being X, Y, or Z. And people follow them because they're interested, but they're not really interacting with the other people that are following that person or that project. But if you can get those community, those people to follow each other, interact with each other, engage with each other, and build like uh, meaningful, positive connections and bonds and relationships, then that is how you build a community. And so it's like empowering them one way or another and like activating community members and, and 
making them want to spend time with other community members is like, that's the goal. And it's really difficult to do, but it's worth investing like all your time into, because I think that if you can do that, like the whole reason these NFT projects are going like the really successful ones do so well is because the community members are like the biggest advocates. They're the best marketing you could ever hope for. And if you can empower them and make them want to tell people about like, you know, you as a founder, as a team and marketing, you can go out and say whatever you want. It's going to do like a fraction of the work as like one community member writing a great thread and just saying like, without you mentioning even having the idea, it's like, if they go off and do it, that's worth a million, whatever, uh, flashy videos. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree more with you. This just popped up in my head is like, we also hear a lot about like, it's crypto is all crypto bros, right? And it's bros for a reason. Um, So my question here is like, at what point do you think this becomes a lot more attractive to women? And what is the result of women coming into this space? Like, because all we're seeing now is kind of like women doing the same thing that you do on other social media, which is like, again, not to talk about all women, but what I'm seeing on Twitter is like they come in and they just try to not take advantage, but the strategy is the same. It's like OnlyFans or mm. uh, content creation in that sense. So how do you think women fit into the idea of Web3? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's not just male centric. It's like men in their 30s to 40s is like the biggest demographic of yeah. crypto and NFTs for sure. Um, Betty from Deadfellas had a great tweet about this the other day. And basically she said that and said that it's because, you know, for instance, the younger generations, people who are in the their teens, they're not on Twitter and they're not in like Discord that much. They're on TikTok and they're on, you know, yeah. um, watching YouTube shorts and reels. And so if you if we want to sort of appeal to them and attract them, then we need to like create content and build community around things that they're interested in and get them more excited. And so I think it's the same for any demographic that is like less represented in the space than now. We have to like create products experiences communities that are attractive to them like it's very unappealing for a lot of women or 18 year olds or 80 year olds uh to come in to what is most nft communities definitely not all there are some excellent ones out there but where you know it's just that vibe that's not just doesn't appeal to them so if we want to appeal to everyone we need to create spaces that appeal to everyone and you know that's that's just yeah that's what we need to do. What is one way you guys are doing, uh, or one thing that you guys are doing at Zen, for example, uh, that's looking to attract more women specifically, or is that even something that you guys want to do? I, I wouldn't say there's like a specific thing we're doing, but I just think our vibe and culture is like very not growy, and like we have a lot of parents, and and uh, we have a lot of uh, like I mean if we look at a demographic breakdown, it's still skewed towards men, but I think compared to the average community, we have more women and probably more, um, I mean, we still haven't tackled that like 15 to 25 year old market that much, but I think, you know, we actually probably skew older. We probably have people in the forties and fifties more than other communities. And, you know, it's just about being a, a more calm, friendly, welcoming, inclusive place. That's not all aggressive talking about floor price, pump it up, um, crude memes and stuff like that. Like that's fun. And I'm, as much of a DJ as everyone, but it's just not, not Zen Academy. So I think that just continuing to like be a welcoming, friendly, inclusive, calm, slow paced place, uh, I would hope appeals to a very wide range of demographics. And I think we're seeing that with members that are, that are joining. Yeah. Yeah. What are some, some of the biggest disappointments you see in this space? 
Who? And it could be a project. It could be an, an action. It could be a mentality. Talk to me. I mean, Cool Cats is a project <laughs> that always comes to mind as a disappointment. I know they had a big town hall yesterday. I haven't had a chance to catch up on it. And they're doing a bunch of cool things. Uh, it was just so unfortunate because they were like, they were like one of the top three projects for a very long yeah, time. They were. It was disappointing the way that they went. Uh, I would say it's disappointing watching Clonex uh, mm. just because of the impact mm. it seems from Nike and Artifact is like it, it is started as this grassroots crypto NFT Web3 project. And then now it's like we, we, we got to see in slow motion how like it changes when you know a massive, massive corporation gets involved. There's legalese and there's, you know, all of this other stuff and there's um, bureaucracy and it's just less pure uh so it's 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 great on the one hand that you know a company like nike wants to acquire like that is huge nike does not acquire many companies so it's great stamp of validation and it's like a really good thing but it's also a little disappointing to see that the result of what happens to like an excellent project went like i'm not saying clonex is is dead or anything close to that it's just like there's definitely been a lot more turmoil i think since that happened so yeah those those couple things. See, here's here's my thought on that, right? And I and I agree with you on both of those being disappointments in a sense, right? Because we were used to or we had such high expectations and the mm. bar was set so much higher. At the time there wasn't that much competition like those two projects specifically. My my thing is this, right? VCs are really good for this space, but it's a double-edged sword, right? Because as VCs come in and as big companies come into the space, it means they're looking for profits and they're coming mm-hmm. in to solely make money more than anything else, right? So the idea of a VC or a Nike acquiring an NFT is good, but that also means that, hey, you as a holder need to understand that their job is now to make money and generate revenue out of whether it's you or mm. other people in the space. So what is kind of your take on the idea of VCs coming into projects? And is that something that makes you more bullish or should be a bearish signal for you long-term? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. It, it changes the, the dynamic totally. And people go from being community member holder to customer. And yeah. you can be both. You can be a customer and a community member and yeah. a holder. But I think most projects would never have thought of their community members as customers until VCs get involved. Or maybe it's like the, the di- dynamic is changing now. But I think exactly like you said, it's a double-edged sword. And you know, VC money in and of itself is not bad. It can really accelerate projects, allow um, great people to build even greater things and amplify communities and all sorts of good stuff. But it 100% changes the, the dynamic because profit is now, and, and probably shorter to medium term profit is, is more front of mind. Like there are VCs that will invest a bunch of money and they're like, all right, do your thing. We'll check in in 10 years and you know we trust you. Most VCs want, you know, they want a monthly report. They want quarterly, yearly check-ins and an idea of like, all right, how are you going to be making money and what are the revenue streams? And like, those are all good things for a business to be thinking about. But like when you have that, again, not all VCs are created equal. So it really just depends on the VCs that get involved, but it does change the dynamic. And so I think they are good for the space in one sense. It adds validation. It adds capital. It allows bigger and better things to get built. Uh, but it is bad for like just the, ethos of crypto in the first place it's like it's meant to be taking power back self-custody self-sovereignty um autonomy and less relying on third parties less uh impacted influenced by 
external parties, especially ones that, you know, are trying to profit off of us. So yeah, it's good for some projects, but I would say not good for others. And we've seen that effect play out over and over again. It's still too early to see how it's going to play out over like, we're mm-hmm. going to see like five, 10 years, you know, maybe in 10 years, all the biggest projects are all the ones that VCs backed. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. Uh, maybe it's the other way around where like, turns out that all of the projects that didn't take VC money have a community that are like way more loyal and, and like them a lot more. And maybe they had a slower start, but were able to gain more momentum, uh, you know, delay profits for, you know, community strength and all that kind of stuff and pays off in the future, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point as well. Uh, let me ask you this. Um, are there any narratives or projects that you're looking at as a great poker or pre-poker player and a great trader in the NFT space? What are you kind of eyeing out right now? Is there anything that interests you in terms of buying and holding? Like, uh, uh, yeah, so like buying as an investment type thing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty far removed from like the space right now. Uh, I think Utes and D-Gods yeah. is a really good play at a certain point. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't checked the price in like two months, so I don't know where I'm they're at. I'm a holder at, of Utes, but they're doing pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. yeah. So like, yeah, bullish on them. I think uh, I'm, I'm bullish on attention. So the projects that can, like, yeah. like Utes can gain a lot of attention. Pudgy Penguins and Seals, I think, are two really prolific projects on Twitter and, and they're, they're everywhere. They're doing great at that. So I think they've dumped a bunch. So they're probably doing well. Artblocks is always front and front of mind and top of mind for me. Um, I think they're in a bit of a slump at the moment. Uh, yeah, not not too much outside of those on my mind. That makes sense. Um, what are some biggest L's you've taken in this space? Who? I mean, there've been so many medium ones <laughs> where you just buy a bunch of a random <laughs> project and they go nowhere. Uh, <laughs> Probably like I sold three Fidenzas for less than one ETH each. And so like, no. like 19 ETH now. Uh, you know, this was June 2021 oh and my bankroll was relatively small then. So to mint something at 0.17 and then sell it for 0.85 the same day was like, it was a huge win. <laughs> yeah. And then just, they just kept going up. So that's one. I regretted it for a little while, but like, I am sure that I took those profits and was able to buy other things that I probably just bought other art blocks and like, Obviously, yeah. it didn't do as well as Fidenzas, but didn't do too terribly. Um, I don't really have too many major losses that or L's that come to mind. Yeah, it's just like selling things too early is, is the biggest one. Or like almost buying something and then deciding not to buy it. Uh, Utes is an example. I was like, I remember during all that fight, I was like, I should buy some, you know, I should look. And then I just you know, got distracted and sidetracked and didn't. So I'm, I'm, I'll buy in eventually. What do you think is worth? Like is worse. I mean, holding something forever, even though it doesn't go up, or buying something and selling it too early. Oh wow! Uh, I think buying something and selling it too early is just brutal. The worst because, thing. You can do. <laughs> yeah, because because then you just you see it every single time it goes up, and so Siri just turned on because I said see it. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, because it's like it's a constant reminder that. And then you got to really work at not checking it all the time, not being impacted by it. But uh, I would say it's probably worth worse than just holding and having a thing never go up. I think I can agree with that. Yeah, I think I the the worst thing I can do is sell something too early and see it go up, but I'm like beating myself yeah. for it. And the, the ironic thing is, like, you can do that and make like a five x profit, and it still feels worse <laughs> yeah. than something that you just you know you buy and it's still the same price for a year. It's like, well, you didn't make you lose anything. You made 5X on this, but it feels worse because 
could, quote unquote, could have made 50x. It's not enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. And it's not enough. Um, what was I going to ask? Okay, so here's the thing, right? Sometimes when I'm out, you know, talking to friends or even like people who don't understand about the space, it's hard to explain what crypto or NFTs are in one sentence. Meaning, mm. if you compare it to why do people buy houses to live in and save money, for example, mm. and not waste their money on rent? Why was the cars? Why were car invented? Well, because it gets you to other places faster, right? So, if you were to explain what crypto and NFTs are, or and this can be two separate things in mm. one sentence, what would it be? I would say that uh, basically humans have been buying assets in the physical world for forever, and now we have a way for people to buy assets in the digital world in, a, in like a, a true sense. And so, like that, and, and, and our lives are going more into the digital world every single day. So, like that to me is like pretty good way of explaining it. Uh, the other way is Digital Country Club is, I use that often because like people are familiar with golf clubs and Soho House and stuff like that. And they can like, oh, I kind of understand that as well. So um, those are like my two go-tos. I like those. And uh, to wrap this up, unless there's anything else you want to talk about, what do you think the easiest one, the easiest way to make money in Web3 is going to be, or is right now? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard. Nothing's easy. And like, there are so many ways to make money in Web3 still. I would say probably it depends on so many factors, how much capital you have to begin with. Like if you have 50 ETH or 100 ETH to start with, there's like all these arbitrage opportunities and stuff like that, that relatively easy. If you're starting out with like one ETH, $1,000, something like that, it's a very different play. I would say, uh, God, I don't, I don't know. Like if you're starting out from zero, Finding a way to get a job as like a, a Discord mod, a community manager, collab manager, content creator, thread writer, anything like that. Um, if you have a bit of money, probably still flipping NFTs. Like there's still a ton of money to be made. You get on the right allow lists, you can make a ton of money very quickly. Um, there are a lot of free mints that still go off and like you can mint 100 free mints and it'll cost you like 0.1 ETH at the end of the day if, you, if gas isn't crazy. And it just takes one of them to really pump off. So I would still say it's like flipping JPEGs is probably still one of the best ways. I love it. I think that's a perfect ending. Anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this up? Mm, oh, I just want to mention, I started, we started a daily uh, Twitter space this week. It's called Zen Daily, 3.30 p.m. Eastern every single day, co-hosted by myself and Emily, uh, who's head of marketing and community at Zen Academy. And yeah, this is day, day four will be today. We're absolutely loving it. So anyone wants to come check it out, that'd be awesome. Let's go on, man. You can definitely start seeing me in there. But besides awesome. that, Zen, thank you so much for hopping on. This was a great fucking episode. Make sure you guys follow Zen and check out, obviously, Zen Academy. And we'll see you guys on the next episode.